is from a place called Bethlehem. <laughs> wow. The atheist. <laughs> okay, God. We're really close. <laughs> really close. Okay. Episode 80. Eerie guys. <laughs> I'm from Boston. <laughs> and I wish I was from Batlam. <laughs>
and became she left her entire person personaje person personality of of uh, yeah of vanity she dropped it and became Denise Matthews she became this huge evangelist what? started uh, preaching the word now you're talking about Jesus Christ and you're talking about how God changed your life yes why why Jesus Christ? I mean, why not brown rice and meditation? And, you know, all, all these things that people say are so hip, you know. I mean, oh, Lord, have mercy. When they say to me, the kids on the street, so what's up? I go, God is. <laughs> Hallelujah. How who did else you is there? Who else is, who, who else is going to save you? There ain't nobody else out there to save you. Your friends can't save you. I tried that. Your mom can't save you. I tried that. You know, there ain't nothing that can save nobody and nothing that can save you today. But Jesus Christ, that's it, bottom line. And once you believe that, and once you get it in your heart, just try it, you'll like it. She later died of, uh, and she died I think in 2000 and 2016. She died of an illness, I'm not too sure. But her life is is worth a movie. There's gotta be a movie yeah, about it. Oh, I, I would audition for it. I would, I would totally that's audition cool. for it. I mean, we don't really look alike, but whatever. But anyways, yeah, so giving 90s. Um, You're giving me um, Hillary from Fresh Prince vibes. I don't see it, but... Like, if I cut the woods off here. You know what? Well, it's now we're in mid-March. Hmm. And this is the longest I've gone sober in a oh, yeah. really long time. Mm -hmm. And... I've never been this like, I don't know, like clear, clear. There we go. I'm still experiencing the throes of life. That didn't change. Right. Especially now I'm in a really stressful spot right now, but it's just so much clearer and I, uh, uh, navigating discernment. You know what discernment is, Clara? Yes. Yeah. But like spiritual discernment. So knowing uh, what, what opportunities, what people, what things, what music, what media, what are right for me and wrong for me. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I decide I'm going with the wrong thing, I know it's the wrong it's thing. Conscious. It's not a mistake. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I try not to now that I'm super sober. Mm. I'm a soberina ballerina. And you know what's funny? A lot of people that are sober, well, not sober, but like that don't drink because... If you say someone is sober, it sounds like they were alcoholics right. before. Right. But I'm just not drinking. Yeah, like someone that is not or drinking smoking. currently. It's funny. A lot of people say that. And it's not like before those three months you used to drink every day. So it's yeah. not like alcohol was in your veins 24-7. You know what I mean? But like even me, I, I'm still drinking, but I socially drink. So mm -hmm. today, for example, no alcohol. Tomorrow, no alcohol. You know what I mean? Like it's not like I'm drinking every day, but I bet my brain is not as clear right now as it would be if I had three months like you mm -hmm. of not drinking. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Because it's like, how long does it take for the alcohol to get out of your system? Literally, 24, 20, 48 hours after a night of drinking or whatever. But still, you need a few months to focus. It, there's a difference. Like, yeah, you're, exactly what you're saying is true. Like, I wouldn't drink more than, I would drink maybe twice, yeah, three times social, a month, yeah. maybe. Super socially. But even then, I also think that there's, it's... Um, being able to commit to something, which I've already committed to so much since, like, since becoming a follower of Christ, 
And it's like, it, it builds your confidence a bit mm -hmm. in your willpower. That's what I was going to say. You know, they say control your hunger and you can control your, like your brain. <laughs> well, mind. I guess I'm out of control. <laughs> See, I just, I have the food and the food is uh, controlling my every move I make actually. Uh, continue. Uh, no. <laughs> no, for real though. But like, if you can control your hunger, you can control anything. Like you can do anything you put your mind into it. Oh, well, I controlling guess I can't hunger. Do <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but honestly, controlling <clears throat> hunger is like one of the hardest things for the human body, right? Yeah. So, I guess it's part part of it comes with alcohol. It's not like you need the alcohol like you need food, but in the society that we live, alcohol is a very common thing. You know, and oh yeah, social encounter. There's alcohol. You know what I didn't like the fact that I felt like I couldn't say no, or like hmm. I didn't like that that was the that was the direction it was headed. And I had been working at bars and in clubs since I was 19 years old in New York City. So uh, we also have to like include that my relationship with alcohol, though not a problem for myself, hmm. I made money off of it for many, many years. Mm -hmm. So my relationship to it, I, it's, it's one of the reasons why I, did, I refused to work at a bar. Like I could have yeah. and, and been fine or at it. I refused to it. There's a reason why we like religious people aren't to work at those places. Right. And I don't want my children to work at those places What about restaurants either. though? Because restaurants also serve it's alcohol. A, uh, so for me, it's the alcohol portion. Anything that has to do with me handling alcohol, I don't want to be a part of. So you wouldn't work at a restaurant either? No. Okay. And also, just career-wise, I'm beyond that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would much... I was just... No, no, no. It's anything that involves this, those spirits. And by the way, I'm not... <laughs> literally. Literally the spirits. <laughs> yeah, tequila, gin, vodka, hey. Um, That's... Let me, like, also tack a note to this because there are a lot of people who work at restaurants who listen to this and I am well, not knocking. you feel. That has nothing to do No, with no, no, not only that. No, I understand that there is, we all have to pay our bills, you oh. know? And there are some people that do it as a career. They're career bartenders. My, my friend Val, Val is a career bartender. I don't think you have to explain yourself on that one. I think it's understood. You think? Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's also no like, there is a career in, in La Hostelería and hospitality. In hospitality, but hospitality is also uh, young people that are just starting to get into the working world and it's not seen like como que tiene, it has both angles to it you know like you can choose to have it as a career good for you same as admin jobs a lot yeah. of children start off as an admin and that's not their it's not their path it's just or um fashion clothing stores same mm -hmm. stuff like a lot of people start at uh, zara or you know like stores just to pay bills at the beginning while they're mm, founding their career and there are some people that her their whole career is the fashion world and can i tell you what uh, i was trying to trying to say before and i don't think i executed it hmm. the thing that it did with me in my mentality working at uh working at um, Bar. bars and restaurants, mm -hmm. not on the ownership end. To own is something else. But being employed by, by them is that it, uh, it made me think that the only way I could 
get X amount of money was by labor. And my physical labor was to, to make X amount of money. I don't want that to be how I look at money. I want my money to work for me. Hmm. I don't want to work for my money. That sounds, and, and I'm reiterating what people that I look up to relay to me. And it never made sense until I stopped working at bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. It helped me focus on what I wanted to have my career to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like I wanted to do work, work in finance or be, be work in a restaurant while I'm in law school. Like I wanted to go from one unstable thing to another unstable <laughs> thing, you know? So I had, it, all these odds were against mm-hmm. me. So I especially wanted to listen to the people who were already um, you know, juggernauts of their own. I mean, look at Wheezy. What? <laughs> juggernauts. Yeah. Well, it's true. Like, I want to make my, and this is what she said. Sometimes she says to me, Brianda, this is poor people mentality. Poor people mentality. Because I, I was thinking of, uh, right now I'm balancing three jobs right now. And I said, oh, well, whoop, whoop. I think I could, hey. I know, my Clara, <laughs> I know, you guys. We really, oh, Lord, I hope he's seeing how hard we work. But I said, I was talking to Weezy, and I was like, oh, well, Weezy, I'm, I'm just going to, maybe maybe if I maybe if I just, like, add a, a fourth one, and then I'll pay, I'll be able You're to pay crazy. this, you or I'll be able to fluff up my savings. She goes, Brianda, that's poor people mentality. Stop, 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 stop. Instead of uh, uh, having more labor, you working more labor to acquire, why don't you look at investing or investing your time even, take that cut for now, mm-hmm. but make sure that the, at the back end, that's going to pay pay for that time that you've invested. Right. You know, we're not regressing here. I don't wanna make lateral moves anymore. We're no, mm-hmm. more, we're no more lateral moves. We're only going up. We're only yep. going up. We're on our way up. We're on our way up. Claire and I, we are on our way up. <laughs> She's my baby and I'm her baby. And then later, we're gonna go to Spain and have yeah. some sangria. Oh. And yes, there's alcohol and sangria, but that'll be after this year when I won't have to be soberina. <laughs> soberina. Yeah. This is just for a year, by the way, guys. I'm only doing a year. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe I'll keep it up. Yeah. I mean, if you come to Spain, you have to have one glass of sangria. I know. It's I like- will. I will. And also, who knows, Clara? Who knows with Bible stories? I just have a feeling it only takes one thing mm-hmm. to like make us. It only takes shift. receiving that one email, one phone call, and boom, everything changes. That one opportunity, and then boom, yeah. your life can change. And that's what I'm in it for. That's what dreamers are in it for. Yeah. Well, obviously, hard work. But it could all change in an instant, and you have to be prepared for it and trust that all your hard work. You don't know what's happening right now. You know what I mean? Like right now, you're putting all this effort for this show. You don't know who's seeing it. You don't know. So when that phone call happens, obviously before that phone call, there's a prior study of how you're doing the show, this and this and that, that you're not seeing this right now. So anytime. I swear we're going to get into the story. But Clara, one last thing about our lives. Oh, okay. Okay, what is it? So you're my work wife, and I need to let you know what my brain's cooking up at all times. I do. Okay. I am constantly thinking about what the future after this would look like. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We know that there's an end to the Bible, and there'll be an end to this iteration of Bible Brianda, mm-hmm. the br- whatever, the character, the brand, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
whether that be TV shows, travel shows, that's my idea of where this could go, history shows, mm -hmm. you know? I was thinking, I passed by a podcast today, a podcast that we've probably all heard of, Call Her Daddy. Oh, I saw your tweet. About Anna? Okay, well, Clara, okay, put it up here so they can see it too. Okay. Um, yes, Anna Delvey. Mm -hmm. And it was, I only listened to the first like chunk of it. It was so good. Mm -hmm. It was so good. And like my tweet says, I am very rarely envious. It's not something I possess. Mm -hmm. But I said, wow, she really did that. Mm -hmm. Well, her and Spotify, the team, the team that she has, they really are getting top tier guests and the content speaks for itself. Wow. Alex is doing a killer job. This is not someone who has spoken favorably of her in the past, yep. but I will I will applaud anyone who is worthy of a, un aplauso. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking, uh, uh, what, 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 like what, what's in the, like what's, oh, that people wanna see that. People, people like um, like controversy. People like that salaciousness, but how could I do that without compromising who I am mm. without compromising the brand. And it hit me, it struck like a lightning bolt. <laughs> and I said, what if we did like a crime show, mm. religious crime, so like every episode, or maybe if we could even get interviews or something, I don't know, <laughs> but like breaking down like world uh, criminals that used to be pastors or deacons or archbishops oh, okay. and doing every single episode, a deep dive of what happened in that story. That's cool. Because crime shows also, like, I love a crime show for any, like, TV show, whatever, like, crime for some reason, como que me, it calls me. I'm like, because I love the, the human brain. So anything that has to do with how humans think or what was going through someone's head or why... Is someone like so psychotic that yes, like, me too. Like that, I'm so obsessed to learn about. Clara, me too. I know. I'm glad that you said. About, I'm glad that you said uh, as an example, like old priests or stuff like that. Because when you said like a Bible crime show, all that it came to my head is the, King David. No, 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 oh. no, King David. I still hate him, but okay. not him. Ahab? King Ahab? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Like present time. Jezebel? Oh, <laughs> sorry. All that came to my head was, you know, those fanatics, like crazy psycho, psychos that are like fanatics about a book of the Bible and they like como que misinterpret it and then they start killing because they see it like a sign or their call oh, yeah, or like yeah. stuff. Like, come on, what's this super famous movie that I told you to watch one time? That it ends Da Vinci up, Code? Yeah, like the Da Vinci Code that is like one dude that is like completely mm -hmm. obsessed and out of his brain and they start... Mm -hmm doing like serial content. I thought that's what you meant. I was like, I don't know if we want to get too close to these people. No, 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 <laughs> but, no, no, no. But yeah, if it's more... It like, would be like a true crime story. Imagine if it was seasonal. But it, how do you get the information for that though? Um, uh, investigative journalism, babe. We would have to imagine... Oh wait, imagine if we did it by season and one season dedicated to one story. Oh yeah. Like a, like a TV show. Yeah, like and we and we would interview like the, the families of whoever were involved, oh, or like yeah, oh, like serial. But that could be kind of cool. Audio, yeah, well, not audio because we have videos. Well, but uh, yeah, I that's know. so cool. That could be kind of cool. Really cool. I don't know because I was thinking, how do you add that while also keeping it in the same 
Bible Brianda umbrella. That is in brand, but a whole nother, the market, the people that don't want to, that don't, aren't driven to this content, which I don't understand why you wouldn't be. <laughs> Would love that. <laughs> Anyways, Clara, uh, we ready for the story? Let's go. All right. Let's get into this week's story. Okay, guys, this week. We're taking another break from the mainline narrative historical story found in Chronicles and Kings. We're going to get into the book of Micah. Mm -hmm. Now, Micah means who is like the Lord or who is like God or who is like Yahweh. And it is a wicked short book. I mean, he, it, he makes up one of the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament. It's only seven chapters. Micah was basically Prophet Isaiah's fraternity brother because they both prophesied at the same time to the same people. Isaiah was basically performing at the Super Bowl and Micah, you know, he just had a couple little gigs outside, you know, local gigs <laughs> here and there. Yeah, maybe he got a theater here and there. You know, that's what was going on, right? But like Isaiah, the book of Micah is a vision of the punishment of Israel and creation of a remnant or a new Israel, coupled by a vision of hope for a new future through a future Messiah. So every single one of the chapters is judgment, and then he sort of ends with a little bit of hope, mm. where Isaiah's little bit of hope was a little more sporadic, and also Isaiah is 66 chapters. Right. And to be honest with you, the book of Micah was hard to read. Like, it was, um, it was a little difficult to get to the next thing get to the next page if you will Why? so much judgment no just some writers have a different style oh, he was also very poetic which i love i love a good poem hmm. but it was just a, just it was it, it dense was, hmm not dense either let me see what i can think because i don't want to dissuade people from reading it hmm. it was just it was just, my mind wandered when I was interpreting, mm. which I, which just, just means that I need to read it again and I need to read it more because this is only the second time that I read the book mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, but I loved the way Micah ended and I cannot wait to get to this week's moral of the story because of it, mm -hmm. okay? So back into the book of Micah, he administered all of his teachings during the time right before Israel's fall, okay? And I know that the last couple weeks of Bible stories, we've been slowly but surely talking about Israel's fall and then last week with Judah's fall as well. So here is right before, you know, when it was just being prophesied about, you know, where the people were thriving economically but suffering spiritually. Mm. I guess we should get into some scripture to give the listeners a little bit more context about where he was from and all that jazz. Cool? Mm -hmm. All right. We are going to go to Micah chapter one, verses one to five. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Morsheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear you peoples, all of you, pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. 
For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains will melt under him and the valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? So Micah is giving a very descriptive vision of what those days are going to look like. I mean, he's talking about an earthquake. He's talking about melting like, like wax by a fire, you know? Anyways, next part. I've already cut it in my brain. I've already edited this out in my brain, you know. Okay. Um, we're, now, we're now working our way down. Making my way downtown, walking fast, pace is fast, and I'm home now. Then I don't belong. your precious memories. All of our memories. All right, guys. We're now at Micah chapter two. And this one is for the oppressors. If you have been an oppressor, the Lord's got something to say to you, and it's going to be painful. If you've made your riches from squandering the lives and exploiting those that have less than you, <laughs> okay, the Lord's got something to say to you through prophet Micah, okay? Chapter 2, Micah continues the passing of this judgment in the second chapter, and he starts off with saying how God was going to punish them for their premeditated iniquity. Okay, they stole land from the poor and oppressed them. The Lord protects the poor and lowly, but he also protects his standards. If you are doing poor people dirty, you can't sit with the Lord. Scripture. <laughs> okay, oh, I can't stand evil. Micah chapter two, verses one to two. Woe to those who devise wicked and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them, the houses, and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man of his inheritance. I mean, woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds and work evil on their beds. So he's, Micah is being specific about the evil in judgment. You know, it reminds me of how even the judicial system in America, they, they have distinguished, they distinguish between murders. Like there's there's like vehicular slaughter, manslaughter, there's premeditated murder. Yeah. It's kind of that same thing. If you've pre been premeditated to sin by means of oppressing those that are uh, less fortunate than you, mm -hmm. that comes with, that's a different crime. Yeah. High tangy, not high tangy. I also think that this is worth noting. 
you know, from one sinner to another. <laughs> but I've never, I've never done this sin. You know, that's those, that blood is not on my hands. Um, but I pray the Lord has mercy if this has been you, if you've been a, in a position of power and you've uh, abused others, repent. But I was going to say that it's one thing to have evil break into your to your heart. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely other thing to invite evil into your heart. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Expand. In life, sometimes your surroundings, where you grew up, you know, certain predicaments, dire situations, you know, influence what you do in life, the way you move. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you dealt with the life of crime in your early 20s or like earlier in your life, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, and it seemed almost, you were, you were lost. Like you didn't have any other guidance other than I need to make a living. I need to earn my way. Mm-hmm. But when you know that what you're doing negatively affects other people or puts others in harm's way and you you plan to do it you choose it's you choose to do it it's a different crime yeah because the first case you don't know any better right but now if there's an alternative and you're still choosing evil then it's a different it's a different, it's a different crime it's a different form of judgment well it's what we were talking a few episodes ago about the intention of doing things with intention or Without realizing, you know? Yeah. Yes, the outcome's still bad, but if you had intentions of doing something bad or hurting someone, it's even worse. Yeah. And, oh, this is why reading the Bible is so great because, right, we're talking about intention. Now we can talk about other stories that happened. Remember Amaziah when he went to the temple and he had the incense? He didn't, he hadn't lit it yet, Mm -hmm. but all the priests were like, get out. You're not even supposed to be in here, king. Mm -hmm. Get out. But the Lord gave him leprosy anyways. He didn't even get a chance to light it. But his intentions were But the But the Lord knew your intentions and he was not going to allow you to disrespect him in his own house, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Just something to sit with in terms of what Micah is telling the people here. Capish? Capish. You guys, I have a cute little Bible babe fun fact for you about Prophet Micah. Did y'all know that he prophesied anywhere from 16 to 25 years before anyone knew who he was? Before anyone started paying attention, let me say that. Before anyone knew, like, exactly that he was, like, a prophet. And it had me thinking, wow. And he still kept doing it anyways. Mm. He didn't need people to come in droves. He was motivated and inspired by the Lord. Mm. And he knew what his destiny was to be a prophet. He knew what his mission was, and he did it anyways. He did it whether there were one person in the audience or 100 people in the audience. Mm -hmm. He never buckled. Um... Oh, I'm going to start calling you Micah now. <laughs> Aww. Oh, yeah. I'm in my, I'm definitely a Micah. I'm definitely a little baby Micah. All my like other like Hollywood friends are Isaiah. I'm over here like, <laughs> oh, no, stop. You're your Micah face, but you're going to get to Isaiah face. But you know what? I, I don't know. I think I'm cool being Micah as long as I get to look cute. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I still look cute. Oh, ain't no one tell me anything. I look good. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm vain. I'm vain. I'm vain. I didn't mean that. <laughs> but uh, no. Um, hi, hi, me. <laughs> 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 you guys know, but I was going to say, hi, Tangi, not hi, Tangi. It kind of reminds me of, um, okay, so uh, there's this comedian that I know. Her name is Chanel Ali. Mm -hmm. And she, I saw her Instagram reel that she had done the other day where it was like a day in the life of a working actor. And she's a working actor. I mean, she's travel, she's on the road. She's always doing uh, shows in and, around, in and around New York, doing 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here. She's always on the go. She's auditioning constantly. Wow. She books commercials left and right. She's working. You know, you may not know of her yet, but she's working. And she put at the end of the reel that she did this hole in the wall spot, this like basement gig. Mm -hmm. They paid her 30 bucks and a couple drinks. And... Some of the com well not was it some of the comments? I don't remember, but I saw someone say like thirty dollars, huh? And in my head, I was like, oh, thirty dollars is a lot for some clubs. They some clubs don't even pay you; they just give you free drinks or something mm. or two drinks. The comedy landscape—they do that on purpose. It's because you all only those that are really working on their craft get to be there. If you want to do it for fame, instant gratification, attention, whatever, you're going to stop because the money's not going to be enough. You can't pay anything with 30 bucks, 15 bucks. Mm -hmm. Only people that really want to show up and work their material get to do it. Right. And I thought, I think like, oh my gosh, there's, there's, a, uh, there's something there with what like the work that Micah was doing. It was in his plan to prophesy mm. the Lord's visions, the Lord's messages, you know? Yeah. No matter what was, no matter the, the amount of money he got paid to do a basement show. Or cloud he had. Yeah, no matter the cloud, he was going to do it anyways. Back into Micah. Like I said at the top of the episode, Micah always ends his chapters with a little bit of hope. Okay? So let me read how chapter two ended, and then y'all can just tack something like that at the end of all the other seven chapters, okay? We're only doing it once because I really liked this one, mm -hmm. right? Micah chapter two, verses 12 to 13. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. There's a Lord coming for us kind of thing, you know? Like, God plans on reestablishing the kingdom. It's gonna get bad before that. But he promises you, he promises all of us that after... There'll be a new kingdom, but you just have to go through the really, really bad stuff first. So, uh, how do you say this in English? Después de la tormenta siempre viene la calma. Pase la tormenta. Sorry, what were you saying? What were you saying? <laughs> yeah, después de la tormenta siempre viene la calma. That's just like it's a saying. The translation to that for our non-Spanish-speaking audience is the calm. Always calms after the after storm. After the storm. Yeah. Wait, no, the expression is calm before the storm. 
but what you're saying is Before, there's calm after the storm. After, yeah, después de la tormenta. Oh, yes. Ay, Alejandro Sanz. Oh, maybe it's not a saying. Maybe it's just a song that it's in my head now. No, but uh, people say it all the time. You say, oh, después de la tormenta, pero en la calma. Yeah. In English, it's the calm before the storm. Well, you guys have it wrong. It's the other way around. <laughs> well, I guess the Bible agrees with you. <laughs> okay. All right, go on. Um, <clears throat> now that Micah had generally addressed the prophecy to God's people, it was time to get a little more specific and address the leaders of these damned people. Ooh. I know some people are going to be like, don't swear, Bree, but I'm not saying like that. Well, now you have to censor that, Clara. I'm not saying like, I'm saying duh. Duh. Are you censoring this? Como doomed. Doomed. Okay. Oh, okay. Why don't we say that? Okay. Okay, never mind. Rewind. Okay. He was going to address the leaders of these doomed people. <laughs> these corrupt leaders had both a special responsibility and accountability before God to lead and hold the people of Israel accountable. Instead, though, the leaders of Judah and Israel abused their people for their own gain. And Micah actually goes on to explain in grave detail how this would probably, literally, and figuratively eat them alive. Let's go into some scripture. Micah, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Hear, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? You who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. This is probably one of the most gruesome depictions of how, essentially, the Lord is saying the way evil people treated others, he's going to do to them, but worse. It's going to give them a taste of their own medicine. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. <laughs> Depending on what culture you take on, it's kind of like, oh, and I don't want to compare. Let me not even say it because I know that people are going to take it and run. But if Wheezy was in the room, because Wheezy's a strong believer in karma. Okay. She always brings up karma, 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 karma. And of course, I compute it biblically because I'm a Christian. Okay. But I guess... This is a way of a pro a prophet's a Jewish prophet's rendition of, or the way of understanding it. Like there's different points of view to things, so maybe that's her way of understanding it. Or <sighs> see how you say you you every time she says karma, you translate it in your yeah. brain into Bible. That sounds to me like different points of view for the same event. Yeah, call it like that. Yeah. No. There's a reason why I I like there's some friction there because I didn't even want to say it to begin with. I don't want to confuse the audience into thinking that that's what I believe, I guess. In karma? 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you you always say it. You always make it very clear. And you, you say that you translate it into your brain. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. I'm just wondering, Claire, I don't even know where to, where to go. What camera do I look at? Because I'm so excited to talk about this. Okay. I'm so excited to talk about this. So now we're going to talk about Micah addressing all the false prophets, the false teachers, the, the false leaders uh, instilling like a false sense of hope in people because they made them obsessed with money and jewelry and, mm. you know, all those idols that never really gave them much or never really gave them solace or peace of mind or hope when they really needed it. Uh, ooh, and I can't wait to talk about it. Okay, let's do it. Let's hop into some scripture, okay? Mm -hmm. We're going to go to Micah chapter 3 verses 5 to 7. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against them, who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners or is it diviners, put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. Okay, wait, can I just tack on another verse? Mm -hmm. Because the next one, oh, Micah, he's spicy, and I like it when he gets spicy, okay? Uh, tackle, tacking on uh, from what we just read in Micah 3, we're going to go to verse 8 right after. He says, but as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Ooh, that like gives me the chills every time. Like I'm the real deal because I have the power of the Lord in me and I'm calling out what you see it. And I know it so clearly because I know what it is for real. You know, his confidence doesn't come from him, his own self. His confidence comes directly from the Lord. That's strength. You know, these confidence, that confidence from the other people, that comes from them. So if they're having a bad day, it's done. It's a wrap. Don't even trust them. You know, Ooh, I don't know. I can't even like it makes me emotional. Like the second I gave my life to Christ, I became more confident. It like, it, I can't even tell you, it feels like another person. Like I no longer had to rely on me. What? Oh, what a gift. Thank you. I don't have to, it's not about what I think about my body. It's not about what I think about this audition that I didn't get or I do whatever. I am who the Lord says I am. And if you have that little kernel, if you know what I'm talking about, there have been, if the Lord speaks to you in certain ways, I've said it before and I'll say it again, it is your duty to follow orders, whether you like it or not. This isn't about you. Step, step out of the way. Get out of your own way. I'm talking to myself when I'm saying this, you know? The second I stepped out of the way, it allowed the Lord to step into me, into my life, to transform me, and he's still transforming me. Change started happening. I got a podcast that I never even asked for. And it's quite literally like saving my life. Okay, stop. You're going to cry now. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I should move on. Anyways, yeah. Oh, Micah, he's so cool. That's why I was like, oh, I never gave Micah enough credit. This podcast is the best because it's forcing me 
to read the books that I otherwise would have been like, mm. and they're so good. Micah and Amos have been killer books for me. Like I've been love. like Micah was hard to read, but just because it was hard doesn't mean that it. The content was good. Yeah. All right. Anywho. Let's keep going. I'm so happy. And because Micah is addressing the people in power here in chapter three, of course, the leaders, these dike priests and prophets, these, you know, these people were like, well, we don't even know why you're crying about because we go to church. We do all the things. So what does he want from us? What more? Can you, ima can you imagine? Can you imagine these evil people saying what more can they do? Scripture. Micah chapter 3, verses 9 to 12. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. <laughs> Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. You guys, let me read this one again. They're telling Micah like, no way the Lord's going to do that to us. Look at what do we do? What do we mean? It's not the Lord in the midst of us. No disaster shall come upon us. Stop, stop, stop. The arrogance. The arrogance. I, 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 donate, to, I donate to charity all the time. Like what? They have no idea what they donate to. They don't even really do it. It's not that that's essentially how many people do we know like that? Yep. So many people like that. I do the bare minimum here. Like Damn. the Lord is not interested in your flashy ways or having a plaque for your donation. The Lord also is not for you publicizing every good deed that you do. Mm. It's not about that. What's the point of that if the Lord is not in your heart? You know what that reminds me of? Okay. Do you know, I think it's the same in America. I don't know I'm for sure. But in Spain, every donation you make to a foundation, association, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's tax-free. So people do it to avoid taxes instead of, you know, That's the right. cost. So to me, it always, because where I used to work, um, I would, you know, process payments and stuff. So I would process a payment that, oh, yeah, let's make a donation to this foundation. And then straight after, it came the email of, ask for the certificate for the taxes. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Do you care about the cost at all? Or are you just doing it for the tax purposes? That's what I'm saying. Ugh. If the Lord is not motivating these deeds, forget about it. If goodness is not motivating these deeds, th d please do not, please do not feed yourself like that ego, ego. It's all ego. Mm. Ugh, ugh, I can't. I can't be bothered. We're not editing that part out. I judge those people. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I said it. Sue me, okay? Yeah, Bible Brianda. Oh, aren't you supposed to know each other? Yeah, I, whatever. <laughs> Sue me. You know what I hate? Oh, I can't, I can't snap back. Oh, because I'm a Christian influencer. Oh, oh, I thought your Bible can't, said that you can't, but you can do that to me? Hmm. I'm protecting my space. <laughs> Bitch. Um. <laughs> Hi, Tangi, off of Clara's donation comments. Okay. Did you know that Kris Jenner, the matriarch of the Kardashian empire, mm -hmm. owns a church in California? Owns? 
a church. Clara, put photo here. Uh, yeah, she. It's called like the like the Church for California or something like that. I don't know. It has an actual place. It's run by an actual pastor who she probably pays like a handsome salary, and all of the Kardashians probably. donate to it. Pro I was gonna say probably. How do you say? Exactly what you were saying. taxes by... We've made it to chapter four of the book of Micah. And now Micah is switching gears. He's letting the people know that they will experience that hope, that hope that's tacked on at the end of every single one of the chapters. You're going to experience that redemption. Micah chapter four, verses nine to ten. Now, why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Guys, Micah just prophesied Babylon, the Babylon, you know, that actually happens. Like historically, the Babylonians take over. Ugh. Micah prophesied that Jerusalem would be exiled to Babylon in the sixth century. And Micah prophesied this in the eighth century. This happened. This happened two centuries after he said it, guys. This is 100% accurate Jewish history we're talking about here. Is anyone, is anyone as like into this as I am? Clara. I just don't know what Babylon is, so. Oh, okay, okay. So the Babylonians, you're about, and we're about to really get into it, especially when we get, when we get to the book of Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. um, the prophet Jeremiah has a book himself as well, but his story is great because it denotes the story of the Babylonians taking over Jerusalem and seizing them mm. and having them being exiled out. Mm. The Israelites, the Judeans become captives of the Babylonians. This was prophesied two centuries, two centuries before it actually happened. Mm. Okay. And it actually happened. Like historically this occurred. Mm -hmm. The Babylonians slaughtered a bunch of Israelites. Okay, got it. And had them taken captive. Twice! Wow. Okay? Wow. Is that not cool? It is. Okay. Yeah, it's like someone saying World War I was going to happen two centuries before it actually happened. Thank you! Yeah. Thank you, okay? Anywho. I thought it was kind of cool. Okay. Okay. Well, this was probably one of my favorite parts of this entire book because it is very specific and deliberate in the metaphor. You have to go through the shaking, the beating, and the pressing, all for God's oil to flow. Now, if you're anything like Clara, you may be asking why. But why? Why do we have to go through all that pain? You know, where there is goodness the shadow of evil lurks. If you have been a participant of evil, whether conscious or not, you will be judged, period. 
like Amos told us in last week's episode, or two weeks ago. We have to hate evil and love good. Otherwise, we will suffer the consequences eventually. You know? And that's basically the theme of every single one of the prophecy books that we've read thus far. But you know what's so crazy, high tangy, not high tangy, is that when the prophecies were being told, these people didn't view them as prophecies. Like, they knew them as people that definitely received messages. They spoke with a lot of passion. Mm -hmm. They knew the word left and right. Like, the, the word wasn't even in existence. They just were so prophetic. That's why when someone is so a wordsmith, they always say, okay, prophet, okay, prophetic. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're very tapped into a higher God. <laughs> At this time, when he would reference a king, a redeemer, they legitimately thought it was like a legit person was going to come in mm. with a lot of power and save them one day. Mm. But they didn't know. We know this now as Bible readers, consumers of the word. This is a metaphor. This is a spiritual redemption. You know? Also their brains. I don't think they were ready for such complex thoughts as metaphors. Because most of the population couldn't even read or write. So that imagine part. a metaphor. So true. So true. I mean, half these prophets couldn't even, didn't even write. That's what I'm saying. They had scribes. Yeah. You're so right, Clara. Yeah. So when they hear him say it, they're like, okay, they mean like a person's going to come like a firefighter mm -hmm. and save us from whatever you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know? No, friend. I mean, obviously, that Redeemer was real. Thank you, Jesus. But I mean, at the time, we know now things that they weren't receiving in the same way back then. Right. Anywho, next chapter. And the plot thickens, okay? Because Micah tells the people that after their captivity in Babylon, they can rest assured that they will return back to Jerusalem better, stronger, and wiser than ever before. Let's hop into some scripture. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With the rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Christ! <laughs> He's talking about Christ! <laughs> And he says it, he says, he's Christ, he's prophesied Christ. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, he even says where he'd come from. Mm. Major. <laughs> Micah is referring to Christ. The one to be ruler in Israel would rise from the lowly and humble Bethlehem. Oftentimes we look for salvation on the outside. 
This is a metaphor that the salvation will be of Israel, and he'll be right up under their noses too. He literally prophesied Jesus would come just 700 years after this was written. Wow. I mean, Micah's kind of Micah's kind of a cool. I really like Micah. Hmm. I really like the book of Micah. Actually, I wish I had read Micah like around the time that I read the Gospels in the New Testament. Yeah, I said it. It would have been hard, but I would have had to like really bunker down and pay attention. You know. Yeah. Funny enough, where my parents met is so. Me growing up, I had my home where we lived Monday through Friday, and then we had a second house in a village. Money left over <laughs> <laughs> inheritance. <laughs> That's everything that was left. But okay, we had a second home. That's where we I would spend the summers, you know, or weekends or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was like one hour away drive, and it's a little, little tiny village in the hills. And that's where my parents met because they themselves used to vacation there. We, like the home that we used to spend the summers there, it's on my father's side. It's called Batlem. They gave that name because back in the day, they would give, I don't know why, the, the, the houses, they would have a name. And that's where they, like, they called it Batlem. Wow. That's how religious they were, I guess. Like, they Whoa. named their own home. That's And that's where cool. my parents got married. Because the, the house, it was, uh, they came from money. So the house had their own church and another house for like... The house service. had its own church? Yeah. So it has the house and then a big garden. And then it has a huge church here. And then Whoa. it has another house for like the people that were like serving the family or whatever. But um, yeah, the church that is attached to the house, which is like within the property, is called Lem. How And that's how, they, that's how they knew us. Like me as a child, uh -huh. it's a very tiny village, right? So we would just like be there with our bikes, with my friends or whatever. And they'd be like, oh yeah, she's Clara from Batlem. You know, like from... Batlem. Batlem. Why is Catalan so different from Spanish? It's not so different. It is, it is similar. Like I, I always describe it, Catalan is a mix between French and Spanish. So it's very similar to Spanish, but it's also super similar to French. There are words that you can see that they clearly come from French. And some words clearly come from Spanish. Mm. I mean, they all come to Latin, you know, from, from yeah, Latin. Latin languages. Yeah, but oh. that's a fun fact. The more you know. Wow. So Claire is from a place called Bethlehem. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The atheist. <laughs> okay, God. We're really close. <laughs> really close. Okay. Episode 80. Just episode 80. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll call back later. <laughs> That's eerie, guys. I'm from Boston. <laughs> And I wish I was from Batlang. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take you there. Chapter six, guys. We're winding down. And now, after hearing, you know, the, the tail end of what Micah has to say, you know, after all these years of prophesying, 
and hearing about what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, the people are now scared. They're like, okay, now what do you want us to do? Tell us what you want us to do. We thought going to church was enough. Apparently not. What do you want us to do? Huh. And Micah has an answer in scripture. Micah chapter six, verses six to eight. This is what the people are telling Micah, pleading with him. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And Micah responds, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. You guys, he has shown us, okay? Pleasing God is simple. Following God is simple. But like the people in Judah, we make it hard when we are intent on only listening to ourselves. We can't hear God or truly value what he says if we're constantly just doing what we want to do or what we think is right, you know? Like, they're saying, what do I, okay, the rams, I'll, I'll sacrifice my firstborn, yeah? I'll do it. It's like, hold now, hold now, hold now, hold now. You're not getting the point. Worshiping God is a lot simpler than you're making it out to be, you know? And Micah puts it really succinctly. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God? Oh, God, that's, I'm not with any, this is not, that's not conspiracy. I don't know why I did that. Please. Because there is one of you that always DMs me about some conspiracy. Really? <laughs> yes. She's like, I, this girl, hi, Tangie. This girl DMs me. is like, I saw that thing you did with your hands. I, I, she like, swear, she, th I don't even want to talk about her on my show, but it's scary. We've now reached the last chapter of the book of Micah. Now, let us not forget, Micah spends a whole lot of time in prophesying about the future, but don't get it twisted. He is legit in the thick of the darkness. He's talking to the sinful people, okay? And he is better than me. Because <laughs> if it were me, okay? If I was in 600 BC, me with my 90s fur and my chapped pink lips, <laughs> okay? I would have been like, ew, I'm with you nasty evil people. <laughs> like, But Micah doesn't do that. That's why prophets are better than regular people. Like, <laughs> I literally would have been like, ugh, <laughs> you know? He's literally among the darkness. No, but it's true. And despite all of that, he still has kind of like, I don't know, like Micah doesn't care. He's not phased by all of their evilness because he isn't focused on them, really. He's not even focused on the sin. Also because he has a purpose, no? He has a that's very good. Yes, <laughs> when people have a purpose and they're acting, they're acting actively on that purpose, they're fulfilled. People seeking fulfillment aren't, you know, judging people. They're, they want those people. People that are doing it, yeah, I'm pointing at myself. I think I am. Hmm. They want other people to do it. Like, and I, I'm pointing at myself because every day that I get to glorify the Lord, that's a part of my purpose. Hmm. That, that like, oh, it's energizing, you know? 
So Micah, of course, isn't phased by their sin and their darkness. And he's obviously not trying to be like them. His eyes are on the Lord. He's focused on who the Lord wants him to be. And he's relaying that message, okay? He is leading by example, which is the best, best way, way to lead. Yeah. You know? Only way to lead if you are. The only way. The only way to lead. You're right. You're right. Um, he Speaking of leading by example... In chapter 7, verses 4 to 7, he speaks directly to the leaders now. He has so much to say to the people. And um, I like this. Uh, uh, chapter 7, verses 4 to 7. The day of your watchmen, of your punishment, has come. Now their confusion is at hand. Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. The God will hear me. Let me say that last one again. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, Micah, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. There's so much to say here. Because I know that he's referencing the leaders and the lawmakers in, in those verses. All that oppression that was happening started and ended with them. Mm. The reason why they're being oppressed is because you guys made these into laws. You guys made it okay for these people to do this. So for all they th they know that they're doing something that's right and legal. Right. Shame on you. Repent now. Mm. What are you waiting for? You know, you're going to regret it later when you didn't. Right. Do it now. Repent now. Mm. Yeah. And then, of course, lastly, we have Micah glorifying the Lord. And uh, it's beautiful. He glorifies the Lord and his steadfast love for us. <sighs> Woo! Micah chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. <laughs> it's electric. Sometimes before I read these verses, I, like, feel something in my spine, like, legit my spine. Uh, uh, 7, 18 to 20. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I will, you know what, I'll wrap it up in the moral of the story, because that last chapter really <coughs> hits me right in the spiritual feels. Moral of the story. Moral of the story is, the Lord's promises are always true. His promises are always true. 
it's okay if you don't have the words right this second to confirm or understand this, but just know he's made a promise to you. That is real. Hold on to that with your life. He's made a promise to all your brothers and sisters. It's the truth. He knows each and every single one of us so deeply. If we leave our egos at the door, reach out and seek repentance, that's a huge step closer towards him. He's going to forgive you. Just come as you are. He's seen it all. Just come as you are. Now, it's very clear that through these harrowing prophecies, his love for us can be a bit extreme. It can be kind of scary to imagine the lengths God is willing to go in order to show us who he is. But Micah reminds us that it's not difficult to be close with God and his truth. We make it difficult with all these distractions, pride, greed, you name it. You ain't taking money and success with you when you die. Okay, babes? Chapter 7, verse 18, Micah writes, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. Micah's name means who is like God. And you know what, Micah? Maybe the process of actively learning about who God is is what this is all about. <gasps> Ooh! Hey, Father. How'd I do? Oh, great. Um, yeah, so... I was thinking, you know, though, what I said about Micah earlier? He's not confusing at all. I think I like him. He's like a broken bad boy with tattoos. I like it. I'm into that. I'm trying to change, Father. No, I know. I don't. I, I want whoever you want for me. But Jason Momoa is a beautiful man. Um. <laughs>